You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. This week, Sarah talks with the godfather of gospel drumming, Gerald Hayden. Welcome to Sarah Hagen Backstage. My guest today, Gerald Hayward, is a great friend of mine who has played with some incredible acts in our industry. Just to name a few, Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, Mary J. Blige, Beyonce, Chris Brown, and it goes on and on. So we are going to talk to Gerald about his time playing with those artists and also about his time mentoring younger drummers in this industry. And we'll talk a lot about his philosophy on being successful in the industry and how it takes not only great technique, great talent, but also a really great attitude. So come along with us as we catch up with Gerald Hayward. Gerald Hayward, welcome to the podcast. What's up, Sarah? How you doing? I'm so good. How are you doing? Good. It's good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm happy. (laughs) All we can ask for, right? Yep. And I am seeing your new studio, your newly reworked studio behind (laughs) you. It looks excellent. Yeah, thank you. I'm trying to trying to just you know we i'm going from being a drummer to an engineer to a, i don't know I, i'm just it's, it's weird you know the time that we in i mean hopefully it's changing you know it's going back to as much normal as it can possibly go to mm-hmm. uh, but you know i still been blessed in all of this um i lost a few people but you know um life must go on and and it is yes and and i know that you know the quarantine and the virus and everything it's changed a lot for a lot of us um but you're one of those really you know um versatile people who just kind of you know you switched gears you got your studio together you got the cameras that you needed and and you know like so many of our friends kind of switched to creating content at home yeah it's uh it's a process it's like it's like learning drums all over again you know what i mean because we used to in a studio environment used to just going in sitting down and creating what you need to play for the producers and when the producers hear what they like then that's what it is but Mm -hmm. now you're sitting home and you're creating content so you're like yeah i'm the drummer i'm the uh, engineer, I'm the maintenance guy. I'm like, I'm everything, you know, yes. I mean? I a tune. I gotta do, I gotta do everything. I'm in the tech. I'm, I'm all of this. And it's like learning, learning something besides drums is what was happening. We was mm-hmm. all learning how, how to be engineers, how to create content, how to, you know, what people like, on the other side of the world, we had to kind of learn that from scratch all over. So it's like, man, like this is just a crazy, it's a crazy time. And then, you know, I was telling Aaron, I was telling him, I was like, yeah, man, like it's weird because I don't have the push to play drums. It's Mm -hmm. so much stuff going on in the world 
I'm so focused on that stuff that I have not had really any intimate time with my drums. Mm. You know I mean? mm -hmm. Like I have, I've been, let me say, not have intimate time with the drums, but I have not had the urge to have intimate time with my drums or, you know, to practice or to play, or it's just like, man, like what's happening in the world? Like, you know, I was just so focused on that. And um, I just didn't have that, that get up, that fight to kind of get on the drums. And he was like, man, I was feeling the same exact way. It's weird. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, but you know, everything is good now. Everything is good. And like I said, we lost so many people within that pandemic and within the pandemic. And, and it was just hard to focus on your instrument. It was just hard. And you know, your instrument, a lot of times it's your secret place. It's your, mm -hmm. it's your place where, you know, you could just let loose and you could just be you and be free and, and you know, you know, make your ears happy. Right. You know? So, um, yeah, it's a lot, a lot that I've learned over this time being in the house as far as, you know, studio stuff and, and engineering and microphones and different things like that. So, yes. You know. Yeah. And I, I understand completely. A lot of us feel, yeah. you know, music and our instruments and playing. It's it's happiness. It's something that we do when we feel inspired to be yeah. creative. And it's hard to do that when there's so much happening around you that is sad and depressing. And um, <laughs> when, you know, we're pushed outside of our comfort zone and, you know, you became your own engineer, your own camera guy, your own audio tech. And, and it, you know, and I, on the other side of things, um, starting my own business, I became my own IT person for the first time. Right. So like, it's, I understand totally what you're talking about. Just, trying to figure things out and, and getting pushed outside of your comfort zone. And the good thing about that is that it creates growth, right? So you've grown, you have, your skills have grown, your right. ability to overcome has grown. And um, I'm so happy that you've pushed through that and that you did start making music again and creating again and, yeah. you know, sitting behind the kit and spending that time and that you yeah. kind of got your inspiration back. That makes me so yeah. happy. Life is good. But, you know, like I said, it's, it's just been so much. It's funny because, you know, I've even known you to have, you know, you had to like, you know, go to school with your kids. You know, I've known Aaron to go to school with his kids. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, it's like, yo, we like, we like back in school, man. Like I got, <laughs> I got my kid here that's in first grade or going to first grade. I got to help him on the computer for a certain amount of hours a day. It's like being in school. Um, but, but yeah, you know, we, we learn, we grow, you know what I mean? Um, it was kind of cool to have that family time. Mm -hmm. you know, mostly, you know, we're on the road, we're going and coming and sometimes it'd be like two to three weeks that you really get to be with your family when you're on the road, when you're coming and going and coming and going. Mm -hmm. It adds up to like two to three weeks at the end of the day, at the end of the month, I mean, at the end of the year, it's like, yo, dad, man, like I only really had two or three weeks with my family. You don't realize it until you finally come home and sit down and be like, dad, man, like I haven't been with my family for such a long time. Um, yeah. I was telling my uncle Butch the other day, I remember my daughter who is 20 now, 
I remember when my wife was holding her and I left for tour. And mm. when I came back, she walked over to me and hugged my leg. And it's like, wow, your mother was holding you when I left. And yeah. now you walking over to me, hugging me on my leg. And it's like, I miss so much of your life almost. Mm-hmm. Like, weird. It's like, you know, I missed a lot of things. But, um, you know, I was putting food on the table. I was, you know, yes, uh, doing what I needed to do for everyone to survive, you know. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's not easy. And I, I think it, um, you don't even know, I think, what you're missing when you're missing it sometimes. Yeah. And this pandemic puts so much in perspective. And that's a, yeah. that's a word that I've used a whole lot. lately. It's like, wow, a whole new perspective on life, on what's important, what is worth your time, what you are worth, you know, it's, um, it's amazing. And I think it's changed a lot of our friends, us, it's changed us. It's changed a lot of people we know. I think that a lot of people are going to be, um, more selective about how they spend their time and, um, you know, so yeah. But one thing, one thing I want to bring up that you did do during quarantine was a whole lot of cooking. And I love to see <laughs> I love to see your posts. Um just making food, recreating food, you know, from from uh restaurants and and posting. And we just talked the other day about how you were you were stress eating and I <laughs> can relate I can relate to that um, because you're waiting for the birth of your grandson and congratulations. Yep. yep. My granddaughter. Yep. She's or your she's granddaughter. Yeah. Her name is uh, Haley. And, um, and it's, it's, it's cool, man. But you know, the cooking thing was like, uh, you know, we all gained pandemic weight. And the reason why is because we had time to, you know, kind of like uh, zoom in on recipes and different things like that. And, you know, I'm I'm frying ribs and frying <laughs> salmon and making salmon nuggets, salmon, fried salmon nuggets. <laughs> I'm making just all of this stuff, man. And then I look around and as I look around, I see my stomach around. I see it. <laughs> yeah, I can see it like in my peripherals, like, like, you know, where it used to be back here. And now it's right under here so, <laughs> <laughs> because because of the pandemic and because I was learning so many different recipes and different things. And mm-hmm. I learned how to, you know, they have a chicken sandwich at Popeye's and I learned, I, I made a version of it and I made uh, a boneless fried spare rib sandwich. And it was wow. a boneless fried spare rib sandwich on brioche bread with uh, bread and butter pickles, mayonnaise, and uh, white barbecue sauce. And wow. Like It was like, yeah. So I learned how to make all of this basically little post, little pre-pandemic, but in the pandemic, I perfected it. Yes, um, yes. So it's just things like that, just things that kind of will relax you and kind of kind of get your mind off of you know, what was happening. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really honestly remember this, Sarah, for a month. I want to say like a month or two straight. Every time I woke up, somebody died. Somebody mm-hmm. close to me died or someone that I knew passed away. And that was like, 
I was almost scared to wake up some days, man. It was like, yeah, yeah I can't take no more of this, you know? And and the cooking and, and, and all of that stuff kind of gave me an out, you know what I mean? Right. Like, drumming an escape. Was, yeah, the drumming wasn't on my mind, but everything else was like the little things that I was doing, you know, really gave me an out and gave me some relaxation and kind of took my guard down mm -hmm. God being up from somebody calling me about somebody else dying or you know me seeing it on the internet or anything like that yes yes i understand completely yeah I, I think you know one of the things that um we're very lucky for is uh -huh. in this industry it is like this giant family this community yeah network and we feel it like family so we're lucky to have that surrounding yeah. us and and those people but it does make it more common that you're yeah. that you're you know you've gone through a lot of loss over the past year and i totally understand i felt the same way the phone would ring and i would think okay you know <laughs> and i would hear it on the other line um right it was a really really sad time especially at the very beginning I think of the pandemic when there, you know, people had caught COVID and didn't yeah. know it. And, you know, before the uh, precautions were put in place. Um, but yeah, tough, tough yeah. time to go through. And I, I think what's come out of it is, again, this kind of like renewed uh, feeling of wanting to be with those people that you love, spend the time with them, cherish yeah. every day that you have. I know it's made me way more aware of um of that of of, of yeah. enjoying enjoying yeah. the yeah. moments right yeah yeah because my wife my, it's funny because um well, it's not funny but it's weird that my wife got covert after she got her shot and right what the doctors was thinking is that she got she had covert before the shot mm -hmm. so, but my whole family is vaccinated except for my son's wife and maybe a couple of the little ones um but my son's wife was pregnant so she couldn't get vaccinated or whatever mm -hmm. so but yeah my wife my wife had got covert she was in quarantine for me for like 20 days she was just living on the other side of the house in her office Aww. and i was feeding her through the door <laughs> talking to her you know from the living room with the door open you know and it was it was a tough time it was a tough yeah time. You know, my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law had got it at the same time and uh you know they had they have teenagers in their house so it was like we was going we was going there taking care of them kind of you know making sure we drop food off and different things mm -hmm. and it was just, you know it was just a time of of, of sadness it was a time of you know, but you but you know, the the good thing that had come out of it, it made you focus on family and focus mm -hmm. on health and focus on certain things that are just things that you glance at in a daily routine. You know what I mean? Yes. Like now, like, yo, I got to pay attention to this. I got to make this right. I got to make sure I am on this particular thing that. I kind of, you know, with having so much other stuff to do, it's kind of like a glance or it's a five minute thing or it's like, nah, like I got to make sure that these things are in place. And that comes from even, you know, talking about 
death. Mm-hmm. Talking about being prepared and you know having to have these conversations of where's the insurance policies. Yes. Know, this what is that? And those are the conversations that you don't want to have. But at the same time, the pandemic kind of made you focus and kind of zoom in on having those conversations because at a daily rate, we was waking up and it was people dying. It was people, you know, you just didn't know, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it made you, it made you speak to people that you probably wasn't speaking to before mm-hmm. because it's, def- it's definitely hard to deal with a death when you wasn't speaking to the person. That's a whole nother grieving process. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yo, not only was I not talking to them and now they're gone. So I have to, you know, grieve over the person leaving and then still grieve over like, yo, I wasn't speaking to them. Right, right. So, yeah. So I try to, you know, I, I tried to make everything cool and calm and, and you know, everything's just connect, make everything connect. And, you know, if I wasn't speaking to you before the pandemic, well, I'm speaking to you now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm your friend. I'm, I've always been your friend, but if we had a difference, you know, we, we got to fix that because mm-hmm. we don't know what day to day is going to bring, man. We just don't know. So that's so yeah. important. I love that. I love it, that that came out of it. You know, if it, it, if it allowed you to let go of some things and yeah. um, mend some relationships, that that's, that's yeah. a positive for sure. And I similarly um, found myself really not putting things off that oh, yeah. I would have put off. You know, there are so many excuses for things. I think, <laughs> you know, I'll do that tomorrow or I'll do that right. next week or, you know, that can wait. But one thing that I've been doing over this past year is just doing it, like just not putting anything yeah. off, making the phone right. call when you need to make it, just get it done. Yeah. Um, and that's been super helpful to me personally, just like having that in the back of my head, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I do want to ask, you know, you, so you went through this really hard experience and not wanting to sit behind the drums and not wanting to create, um, when did, when did that change for you? When did you decide that it was time to get Uh, back there? Um, I think when I, I, I like, uh, like once my wife was better, Mm -hmm. wife was better. It was like. I'm okay to sit down and play now. Like, I I mean, like, I think one, once things started getting solutions to it, basically, because mm-hmm. like, you know, you have all these problems. Like I said, there was so many things going on in the world, you know, when the solutions came and the ending of those things came, I started more and more wanting to go play my drums. Yes. That makes sense. It's like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, you know, my wife is better now. I can go play drums or like, you know, they got vaccines now. I can go play drums. Like, yes, it was just a whole bunch of different things. You know, you know, that vibe that pushed me closer back to my instrument. You know what I mean? Um, Talking, talking to, you know, a lot of the the company reps and, and representations of the companies and, um, you know, them, them still believing in me and still, still trusting that, you know, trusting in me that I am still a voice in the industry and still a voice and, you know, I can still sell product or I can still, 
you know, place product in, in certain places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of that stuff pushed me back towards my instrument, you know, learning the the audio portion of it pushed me back, you know, pushed me back. Oh, I want to play, you know, um, I had to do something for a career. Uh, it was Korean drum festival and I had to do it in my house. And I had, mm-hmm. you know, that's when I had to set up the studio and make sure everything was, you know, right and working. And, and that, 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 um, you know, all of that, all of those events pushed me back towards my drums. Right. And it was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm back now. Like I want to play. And, you know, my wife saying to me, oh yeah, you can have some sheds now. Just all the nephews have to show their vaccination cards. You know? <laughs> so, so that's I'm, good. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm like, you know, just in that mode now, like I'm, I'm good. And, you know, talking to Aaron and talking to Jamal and talking to, you know, everybody that I'm close to that are drummers too, you know, we, we started pushing each other, mm-hmm. pushing each other. We started, yo man, you should do this. Yo man, you need to do this. Uh, yo man, what you think about this? Or, you know, sending videos of chops and just, just stuff, you know, just stuff that had to do with drums and speaking. Encouraging, drums. encouraging yeah. each other. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Speaking, speaking drum language, you know, mm-hmm. I mean? so we, those guys, um, you know, we do a lot of talking, you know, about family stuff, you know, Aaron has family and, you know, Jamal has family and kids. And so, so, you know, we talk about those things, dealing with those things. And then at a certain point, like when everything started coming back and it's like, oh, yo, uh, you playing this? Uh, what are you doing with this? Or how do you sound? Or what? What's up with this drum head? Or what this cymbal sound like? Or and then that started, that started a trickle down effect. It's like, oh yeah, I'm playing today. Oh yeah, I'm mm-hmm. practicing today. Oh yeah, man, I seen this video. Of you man, you was playing blah blah blah. Yo, I'm trying that. Or you know, just that sort of thing. When the language of drums started coming back, that would push. That's what pushed us all back to the drums. It's like, yeah, that's we, so great. Yeah, it's so great. And I, I want to talk to you know, you mentioned the sheds and you mentioned Aaron Spears and Jamal Moore. And, you know, you are like the uncle of of the of this, this whole group. And, you know, it's funny because you call them the nephews and everything. And they all call you Uncle Gerald. And, you know, you are you're such a um kind of founder of <laughs> this whole group of players. And I wouldn't, you know, you were the one who who introduced me to Aaron Spears right. and Jamal and right. so many other drummers um, <laughs> over the years. And you are just such an amazing support system yeah. to everybody. Um, not just, to, you know, in the drumming side of things, like imparting yeah. your knowledge about drumming, but also about life, yeah. about the industry, about you know how to have relationships it's it's just incredible what you've done well it's a blessing one one thing um i just try to you know i try to get i try to keep the community healthy Mm -hmm. that's what i'm trying to do and with that being said you know i'm basically making drummers you know i'm 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 my my job. I feel like my job is 
to make professional drummers because they want to be professional drummers. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, all of those guys that I call my nephews, each one of them is on a journey. And I'm trying to be a part of that journey to help them become professional drummers. So, yeah. you know, they have to be around the language. They have to, you know, see the product. They have to see, they have to be able to have access to all of this stuff in order to work and get to that point where I've gotten to. Mm -hmm. And I have no, I have no, uh, like, I don't, I don't want to be that person. When I was younger and I was coming up, I had one person, Jeff Davis, you know, that used to talk to me and, you know, tell me certain things about being a professional drummer. Mm -hmm. But he was a professional drummer in church. Mm -hmm. And I decided to play R&B. I kind of couldn't get little tidbits and stuff from him because he was in a whole different side of it. You know, mm -hmm. he was in a whole different, a whole, he was a, he was a part of a whole nother side of it. You know, he started playing for like Phyllis Hyman and Guy and all of that, but I was already in the mix already. You know what I mean? Sure. I was already out there. Um, but, and I've always said, you know, I've always wanted to be that person to help the next person. Because yes. with, with conversation and different things like that, that's what helped me along the way, what I was doing, you know? So, so my, my thing is to always, you know, look out for the nephews, always try to make them, you know, as best as they can be. Cause you know, they are supposed to be better than the teacher. They are supposed to be better than those that came before them. So my goal is to help them get to that space. And mm -hmm. I have no, you know, I, 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 I don't have any problems with someone being greater than me or, you know, getting more recognition than me or anything like that, because I've done what I've done and I'm happy and I'm satisfied with, with I, what I've done, you know? So, you know, I want to help someone else be, be great. I want to help them, man. I'm a kid from Brooklyn. I came from Brooklyn playing my drums in my grandmother's house and I made it to the stage You know, I made it to TV. I made it. And they are, they are in the same situations, you know, they're playing and playing around town and doing what they got to do. And I'm, I'm that person to help them come out to come out and, and get to where they are trying to go. Mm -hmm. and that's always been that's that's been my vibe like i don't have no issues with the younger generation and i want to make sure that they know who i am and what i bring to the table you know what i mean and i, I always want to look out i always want to you know with aaron you know i thought that he was so talented you know when i first seen him play and everything and it's like you know somebody i said to me it's like man you put that dude on. Why'd you put that dude on? He's good. He's really good. And I'm like, man, that that does nothing to what I've done. Or mm -hmm. That does nothing to what I contribute. You know, and and it's helping making him better. It's helping you know making him you know a greater asset. And it's letting people know how talented he is. Like it was like, yo, I, this dude is amazing. And yes. Jamal, Jamal's the same way. Yes. You know? Like, yo, I, I have to, 
I have to speak and always support these guys because um, they they watch me as mm -hmm. I, you know, they watch me and they respect me and they respect what I've done. So absolutely, I you my giving back is what this is, you know. And you're you're an incredible mentor, Gerald. And I know that what you've done for the next generation, they're doing for the up and coming generation because yeah. I see it, you know, Aaron, Aaron, um, the number of times that Aaron called me and said, Hey, you got to check out so-and-so or, okay, right. you know, do you mind if I put you in touch with so-and-so and, and just helping mentor that next generation? Like you've right. put in place a really great network of wonderful, supportive human beings besides yeah. being really incredible drummers. So yeah. you've done, you've done such a great job with that. And, um, and you know, you know how it is, Sarah, it's, it's all about, it's all about your attitude. You mm -hmm. know? Like, cause you know, it's, it's a lot of people I come across that can play drums, but the attitudes are not, you know, and, and my thing is, you know, one of my nephews said to me, Josh, he always go, you know, um, you can tell them, but they're going to do what they want to do. You right. know what I mean? And that, you know, it's a certain, it's a certain way you're supposed to carry yourself within this musical industry. I mean, within the industry, you know, mm -hmm. it's a way to carry yourself. It's a way to speak to people. It's a way to approach people. And, um, you know, some of them, some of them I got through and then maybe one or two of them, it just fell on deaf ears. You sure. Know but, and, and it hurt me because they're so talented they can play drums so much, but when they're not playing drums, it's the problem that I was having with them. It's like, yo, know, when you're not playing drums, you know, nobody wants to sit down and talk to you or nobody mm -hmm. wants to have a conversation with you because of the way that you carry yourself when you're not playing drums. Now, um, what I give to them and the way that I mentor, it's a whole package deal. It's a whole package. There's no your swag. It's the way you talk. It's the way your drums look. It's the way your drums sound. It's a whole process to you becoming a professional, respected professional drummer, right? A professional musician, and it's so many, so many um, segments that you have to put together. So many pieces that you have to put together to be that person, mm -hmm. and. And I am instilling in them all of the pieces as many times as I can and as much as I can so they can become that person, that professional, and, you know, that that star or whatever. <laughs> For sure. Yes. Yeah. And you have it down completely. You know, it's not just about the talent. The talent yeah. can be way up here, but, you know, to be able to get along with people on the road, keep a gig, you know, <laughs> negotiate, pay and all of these things. Like there's, there's so much that goes along with it. Endorsements yeah. and, you know, relationships within the industry. So right. um, I know, I know the thing, you know, these guys so appreciate that from you as well. And, um, you know, let's talk about you and your career for a minute because, <laughs> Um, it, I, you can't Google your name. Like if you Google Gerald Hayward, you cannot Google your name and not have it come up. Um, Godfather of gospel and uh, R and B drumming. Uh, like that's what, <laughs> that's what comes up. Uh, man. 
That sounds um, so, like uh, mafia-ish to me. <laughs> I know, right? The Godfather. Right. <laughs> I know you prefer Uncle, and I like that no, too. I, so. I, I prefer whatever, but um, you know, uh, Korea has—it's been great. You know, it's been—it's been very, very. Uh, everything moved kind of fast. You know, everything yeah. moved fast. You know, I went from. I always say I went from the church to the stage. You know, I didn't play, I didn't play in the little clubs or I never did none of that type of stuff. Like, you know, around town, I never did that. I always mm -hmm. I went straight from the church to the big stage. And, um, you know, it, it moved kind of fast. Um, I'm actually doing a docu-series on me, Kern and Valdez, you know, we, those are the, the other two brothers that I work with for over 20 years. And um, every artist that I work with, those guys was a part of that situation. Kern was the MD, Valdez was the programmer and the keyboard player, and it was me. And then they would bring in, you know, other people around us. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, like I said, it's been a wonderful career. I've played with, you know, Mary J, Beyonce, Puffy, uh, you know, Shaka Khan, Stevie Wonder, um, Michael Jackson, Brandy. Um, it's just so many others. Uh, Rob Thomas, um, Carl Thomas, uh, all of the all of the uh, bad boy era. I played in so many. I've been blessed to play on so many stages and so many arenas. Um, and, and my career has been, it's been great. And, you know, I, I feel good about the people that are doing it now. They were in public school watching me do it and learning how mm -hmm. to do it, <laughs> learning how to do it. And, uh, it's a blessing. It's a blessing, you know, for a person that don't, you know, I don't know rudiments. I don't know, you know, I don't know how to read music. You mm -hmm. know, I literally went from playing in church to being on the stage and God has really blessed me and I have been able to, you know, be in this industry for so long and be relevant, you know, mm -hmm. relevant. So I'm happy about it. I'm happy about my career. I'm happy about, you know, the companies that I'm connected to and the people that, you know, I, I was telling somebody uh, on Daru's, uh, Daru Jones, I was on his podcast the other day and I was mm -hmm. telling him, I was like, I think I'm the longest running, I'm the longest running commercial in the world. And he was like, what you mean by that? I was like, you know, like for DW, I've been on DW for 26 years. Wow. Jim for maybe 15, 16 years, Remo, about 15 years or so. Um, you know, Vic Fur for about the same, maybe 10, 12 years. But it, with saying that, it's like, yo, I'm the longest running commercial because I always try to push the product and always let people see me and always let people see my swag. And my swag has to do with all of those products. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm a, just a commercial forever. Like I'm a forever commercial. Like, you know, you're, you're, but, you're yeah, you're a fantastic uh, brand ambassador, you know, yeah. for any of the brands that you represent, you're so great. And I, I'm just thinking about us. Um, we did a uh, Instagram live interview right. for 
through Vex Percussion. And you were so great because you came on and you're like, this is the product. This is how I use it. This is why it's so great. And I was just like, okay. It's so good because you, you know, believe speaking in on, it. Speaking on that, like, you know, I, I love Russ, man. He's a good dude. And you know, you know how I feel about you. And um, that product, I'm just so like really overjoyed for Russ because He's a very creative person and to be able to get your, you know, your creativity out there, mm -hmm. it's like, oh man, I, I'll help you as much as I can. I'll figure it out. Like I'll, I'll do whatever I got to do to, to make it so people know who you are and what you do. And I, that's how I feel about a lot of products. It's like, yo man, I'm, I'm, I got you. I got your back. Yes. I got your back no matter what. And, and, you know, you know, as a drummer, you know, you could get free stuff and that's all good. And um, I'm, I'm happy about that. But, you know, one thing uh, Steve Gass said to me one day, um, I was asking him because I thought that Yamaha was going to uh, shut down their drum department. And I said, yo, Steve, what, what will you do if they shut down the drum department? He said, Gerald, I got enough drums to play until I die. And he was like, you know, I don't need no more drums. I have enough to play until I die. So he was basically, you know, just instilling that in me. It's mm -hmm. like, I have enough stuff to play until I can't play no more, until I'm not here to play it anymore. Right. Um, and it was funny because a couple of weeks later, I had the same conversation with Dave Weckl. And he said the same exact rebuttal. He's like, man, I got enough drums to play until I die. He wow. said, I got my hot drums all over my house, everywhere. He was like, I, I will be okay. He was mm -hmm. like, I will be okay. But just just having that attitude about, you know, having this products and, and being able to push the product was, you know, I wake up every day, you know, DW, Zildjian, Remo, Vic Firth, let's go. What we doing? You know what I mean? Like, like I got to get it out there. I got to know, you know, any place that my feet tread, you know, I was like, yo, y'all need some DW drums in here. Y'all need some Zildjian cymbals, <laughs> need some Remo heads. Like, so all the churches that I went to, any right. place they play, if they didn't have that, that so that's why I felt like I'm a I'm a long running commercial. Like, Absolutely, yes. <laughs> like, yo, like you gotta have this product or else your stuff is terrible. And and, and I'm sorry, but that's just the way I feel. That's, that's just, how you feel, yeah. And you know, you you talk about going from the church to the stage, but you right. never, you never really like, you never went from the church to the stage and didn't look back. Like you always, have to. always involved with the church, always, you know, really just talking about that part of your life and how much it meant to you, yeah. um, and then always supporting the church as well. So, well, you know, that's your blueprint. You know, mm -hmm. that's, your, that's your lifeline. That's like, you know, your lungs and your liver and your, you know, your kidney. Like you, you, that's where I came from. And that's what I know. And, you know, I, you know, being in church when I was younger, I used to get the modern drummer magazines and stuff like that. You know, I didn't know that you can be a professional drummer, you know, but I've mm -hmm. always said, yo, I want to be in this magazine. And I didn't yes. know. You know, you had to be a professional drummer to be in that magazine. You know, it wasn't just playing in church. And, you know, trying to get people to see you 
in church and hear you and see, you know, and hear what, what you can do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but, but yeah, I, I'm, that's my existence. You know, that's where I came from, you know, and a lot of good things has happened to me in church. So it's never not, not a part of my DNA and even my family, you know, we all spiritual, we all go to church. And so it's no, it's no running from it. It's no, even if I wanted to get rid of it out of my life, it won't happen. So, you know, I grew up in that environment and that environment served me very well. And that environment um, let you guys know who I was. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when I started playing R&B, you know, everybody's like, oh man, this drummer is crazy. And he's playing some stuff like, yo, we ain't never heard no drummer like this or whatever. And the only thing I could say to them is that I, they were like, yo, where you from? And why we never heard of you before? And it's like, yo, I've just been in church playing. And, you know, right. what you hear is my aggression and my approach to church music. Mm-hmm. So, so that, and then, you know, it became, yo, you hear how that kid Gerald Hayward sound? Yo, he sound crazy. It's dope. Yo, you got to hear it. So that became me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then in the industry, you know, they always, it's always like artists always come to see other artists or artists talk about you to other artists, talk about you to other artists. Right. So how you kind of got around, like that's kind of how you got around, like back in the mid eighties and all of that. Like, yo, we got this drummer. He crazy, yo. You know, you need to try it. And that would be, you know, Mary, that would be Mary talking to Beyonce, you know, mm-hmm. that would be, you know, Beyonce talking to somebody else. And it's like, yo, my drummer is crazy. Yo, you got to see my drummer. So that's how kind of like I got from gig to gig, to gig, to gig, to gig, to gig. And mm-hmm. then Kern, who I spoke on early, he was getting called for gigs. He was, you know, walking up the street in Manhattan and somebody had be talking, yo, man, uh, you know, they having auditions for Mary J. Blige up the street. And it's like, what? And he's like, yo, I'm going. But he was wow. there over Washington. And then he was like, yo, I got a day off. He's walking around Manhattan with his base. And that's how it all started. It all started with, with that. It mm-hmm. all started with him getting gigs, putting me on, me meeting him in church, all of that. So, so I, I love, I love church. Church is my existence. Church is where I came from. Church is basically my birthplace for being a drummer. And and the reason why you guys know Gerald Haywood is because of the experience that I had in church and why church is my my base for everything. Absolutely. And, you know, you took that, that style of playing that was new, you know, that people really hadn't heard before. And the greatest thing is that you played for the music, no matter what you were doing. And I just have to recognize that, you know, always really just playing tastefully, like, yeah, you were crazy and you could do all this stuff, but you never like overpowered what was going on. You let those artists be who they were and and do their thing and you just complimented it so well while also highlighting the fact that the drums could be played in that way and how cool (laughs) was that right thank you you. so So good you know it's it's the the craziest thing is you know 
you have to play these people music like let's just say beyonce for instance you know she got to dance she got to sing she got to do all of this stuff mm -hmm. but she also has to hear her music like it was recorded mm -hmm. but with the live texture on it you see what right. i'm saying so it's like you know i can be gerald haywood in this situation but i also have to have i also have to um let beyonce hear her music because that's what she's gonna dance to because she made that music mm -hmm. so it's like let me figure out i have to figure out how to be how to be gerald haywood but also how to keep her music to her liking and mm. keep, keep the grooves where she can dance and and then that people know what song it is and know what yes is. <laughs> so yes so that was a definitely a process that was definitely a process it's like you know because they want you for what you do yes you also have to respect what they have done and what they do so they like yo mesh your your feeling your creativity with my creativity and my feeling mm -hmm. but theirs have to be on top you have to be in between somewhere you have to, you know what i mean absolutely so, so that that was my approach to the music and just you know coming from new york you know it's a big small place man and you got to be aggressive because it's 150 million people that do what you do mm -hmm. you know what I mean? so you have to be heard you have to make sure that your presentation just got a little bit more on it than the next person presentation and that's Absolutely. how you and that's how that's what you heard when you first heard me play you heard my my aggression and my attack and my yo i'm gonna make sure you hear me like oh, i'm gonna make sure you know that it's a drummer back here I'm gonna mm -hmm. make, you, know, you know playing with drum machines and all of that stuff you got to match the intensity yes machine and all of that so that was all of those were were processes that you had to or things that you had to put in place to be this professional r b drummer mm -hmm. and, and still you know have you know entertainment entertainment on it too like it's like yo i gotta i don't know if i gotta bounce scream yell to make sure somebody know what i'm doing and you know, yes. know what i'm playing that that's what it was that's what it was so absolutely yeah. and and you know like bring you brought attention to the drums so you know i mean really you know everyone goes to a beyonce show to see right. beyonce right but the way that you play and the way that you played for the music, like you can't help but notice right. that element of it. And you kind of like pulled the drummer out from behind, from the back <laughs> in that style of music. And I love yeah. that. Yeah, um, it, was, it was a blessing to be able to do that. Um, I'm going to tell you one person that I seen the first concert I've ever been to was Billy Joel. And Liberty DeVito was playing drums. Mm -hmm. And Liberty had this swag, man. That was just like, you know, even if he was just crashing on the one, mm. the way he did it was like, oh, that's amazing. And then that's when I came up with the whole hopping off the seat, mm -hmm. hopping off the seat and playing and being able to play while I'm bouncing up and down. And then, you know, playing for artists like Mary J. You know, Mary is a, a very, uh, how can I say it? Like, you know, she impacts you from feeling, you know. Yeah. Uh, a whole concept and who she is she's a very real person so her whole concept is 
you know, she may be telling somebody off in her song. And I felt like I had to go with her. Mm -hmm. I, felt like, I felt like these chops and these, the way I hit these cymbals and the way I'm jumping off of the seat, I have to be with Mary because she cursing somebody out right now. Yes. <laughs> and this is the feeling that she has. So I've learned to bring my emotions for entertainment as well as what she was doing. It's like, yo, Mary, I'm with you. You know, the keyboard players can't really do nothing, but I'm with you. Here we go. And I'm going to play some chops and I'm going to play something just as aggressive as you cursing somebody out. Mm -hmm. and, you know, she like, yeah, Gerald. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, Mary. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So, so that is, that has been the concept of who I am and the whole, to sum it up, you know, that's, that's the Gerald Hayward that you guys seen. I remember God rest his soul Prince coming to a Mary show and he's standing at the soundboard and he's talking to a guy that was our engineer at the time. Uh, his name is Horace Ward. And he was like, yo, man, how's the drummer bouncing up and down like that and still playing a part and keeping a beat? And Horace Ward looked at him and said, I don't know, man, you got to ask him. <laughs> and it was like, and it's crazy because, you know, I got to talk to Prince later on and he never asked me that question. But at the same time, Horace told me the story and it was like, wow, this is weird. But it's all emotion. It's all you know, when I sit down to play, I'm, I want to give 110%. Mm -hmm. So when I, you know, I always, I always have a, um, how can I put it? I, I think about it like this. Well, I, it's like this. Let me tell you, it's like this. When the Mary put out a record, the record may sell 500,000 copies the first week, right? Granted, mm -hmm. after that first week, we go on tour. When we go on tour, and we go on tour for two, three, five months, whatever it is, when we come back, her record be at 3 million records. And the reason for that is because we got on that stage every night, we gave the best performance, we gave all of our emotion, we gave everything that we had for those performances. And it made the person in the audience go, yo, I'm going to buy this record again. Like, mm. you know, it ain't gonna sound like this but I just want this song again because I love the way that they performed it. And I feel that we sell the bulk of the records on tour. So that's how I was viewing everything. I was viewing everything from an entertainment standpoint, but also it's all emotion. It's like emotion, whoever I'm playing for, whatever their vibe is and whatever they're trying to give to the audience that paid their money, I'm with them 100% whatever i can do to make that happen that's cool right um, so yeah that's, that's so great and i love that like the connection to the music and yeah. you putting yourself emotionally into it um and i can see that with mary j and it, yeah. is there is there anyone else that you played with that you felt that connected to the music or that you were putting yourself <laughs> out there like that or everyone or is it well um is is it's you know a lot of things are out of out of body experiences, you know, like when I played, I did the stuff for Michael Jackson. I played mm -hmm. on 10 songs on one of the records, right? But only two songs made the record. But I would hear him singing the vocals and stuff to the to the songs, you know, rough vocals. Mm -hmm. But it's not, you know, as I'm doing it, it's just like, oh, this is great, right? But it's like when I got on a train to go back home, it's like, 
Hmm. Yo, I'm just, I play for Michael Jackson. Like, this, <laughs> this is crazy. You know what I mean? So that's the, that's the out of, out of body experience that I talk, I speak on. Um, mm -hmm. But there is, it's, it's so many, it's so many people that I work with, you know, Chris Brown, when he went through the whole thing with the Rihanna and all of that stuff. And, you know, I, I fully support him because I know, you know, the backstories of that stuff. And, uh, you know, I was around then and everything. And, you know, a lot of people just wrote him off. You know what I mean? And when we went to go do shows and stuff, like a lot of times we would do shows that just be the DJ and me. And, you know, whatever Chris was feeling, if he was crying or whatever he was doing, you know, I was fully supporting him. And I was like, man, don't worry. Like, you're going to always be great. Like, you'll be fine. Like, you know, let's just keep pushing. Let's just keep pushing. Let's just keep pushing. So a lot of, a lot of artists, I connect in those ways, depending on what's happening in their life. At mm -hmm. the, you know, I used to talk to Mary a lot about Jesus Christ and about being saved. And, you know, all the stuff she's going through with, you know, a lot of her um, relationships and different things like that. Um, you know, and it just be like little tidbits here and there, you know, in passing or sometime, you know, I go say hi and, you know, we have a conversation and, you know, in the long run, she remembers those things and remember that, yo, Gerald talked to me about Jesus Christ before or whatever. Um, and a lot of artists that I work with, I've literally had connections in other ways besides just the drums and being their drummer. Mm -hmm. so, um, and it's been, it's been a blessing because, you know, I get to, I get to talk and, you know, I'm a jokester. So, you know, they get to laugh and different things. So, you know, that's the other side of not playing drums that just made everything even gel even more. And when these artists put out records and they put out new product and all of that stuff, I'm the first person they think about, you know, me mm -hmm. talking about this. We're the first person they think about, not only because we can play their music with such, um, with, you know, play their music so well, not just that, it's just being around us, you know, you know, laughing and joking. And, you know, I, I want to be in Europe with these guys, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like I, I want to be, I want to be, you know, overseas with these guys because I like them. I like being around them. I like the jokes. I like their interaction that we have. You know, you know, I used to always with Chris Brown, you know, in his younger years, we used to always go to the mall. And he put the baseball cap on and put it all the way down. And then, you know, when he see a group of girls or something, he just take take it off. And then <laughs> all of a sudden we in a frenzy at the at the mall. And this is stuff that he liked to do. And you know, because I'm a sneaker dude. He would always say, Gerald, where we going to get sneakers? When we going to get sneakers? And so those are all different type of connections mm -hmm. that I had with these artists that was past the drums or past the gig or past the, you know, you're paying me to be here. It was way past that. And, and I can say that I'm blessed to be able to, for someone to be able to um, tap in on the type of person that I am. And that's what made us even closer. And that's what made me work for these people for such a long time. Right, right. Like, well, you're a great you know, friend. You know, you're a great yeah. friend to people. You're yeah. a great, you know, confidant and um, 
a mentor, like I mentioned before. And so it's no surprise that you have these long standing relationships and with literally everyone in the business. I mean, you know, we, we have great conversations and, um, and I appreciate you so much for that and your friendship as well. No problem. No problem. You know, you're my favorite. You're my favorite. <laughs> you're my favorite. I don't care what, what companies under your name, you're still my favorite. It don't matter. I don't care. Thank you. It's selling toilet paper. It's whatever. <laughs> there or whatever I can do to help you. That's what. That's Maybe what someday. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so cool because, you know, like, you know, our existence is, you know, I knew you before you was married. I knew you before you had kids. I knew, you know what I mean? Like our yes. existence, it's, it's just, you know, it's history that number one can't be erased. Number two, it shouldn't be disrespected. It's, there's no way it should be disrespected. So I, I just look at it from a total different angle. And it's like, you know, me, me bringing Aaron to meet you, you know, that started a whole relationship, a different relationship. Yeah. I always feel that all our relationships are customized. They all customize. You hear me say this a lot, you know, you know, you, when you were artist relations, you know, you customize every relationship with each person, with each artist. Mm -hmm. and you may have 500 artists to deal with, but you dealt with each person in a different way. And that made it, that made it feel from an artist standpoint, that made it feel awesome. That made it feel like, yo, this is the greatest, you know, not only, you know, not only did it put flags on the company, it made the company be great. It would, it made you as a person be great to us as people. So it's like, it's a whole thing, you know, and even, you know, Emily and everybody that I have contact with that was in that other companies in that company's, um, you know, on that company's roster, you know, it, it made us be, we had years of, you know, interaction. So the years mean something, Absolutely. It, you know, so, so it's just, it's just, so many ways to look at things, but, you know, like I said, I've, I've, you know, conveyed to Aaron and Jamal and, you know, this is how you got to be. This is, it's no other way to be, you know what I mean? Absolutely. It, it, and it, it takes too much energy to be a mean person, to be yes. a stupid person or to be, you know, a person that's just off the grid basically. Um, yes. And it's less, it's less energy to just be nice. It's less energy to be nice. It is. It is less energy, and it and it's and it's less stress on on yourself. Yeah. I think to not carry that around. You know, um, I I once was told by someone, "Don't let those people rent space in your head." And I was like, "That is right. such great advice, right?" Like, whenever there's someone that's bothering you, just let it let it go, yeah. let it roll off your back. And the yeah. other thing, the other thing too is um. When you're thinking about someone else that's wronged you in any way, um, that person most likely isn't even thinking about you. So, right. so you're wasting time, right? And you're wasting energy and letting space. that person rent space <laughs> in your head. So that, that's that's always my theory. But that's you know, good. going back to going back to what you said, yeah. thank you so so much. You know, I loved interacting with all of you all of the artists and who are now just such great friends and 
um, the relationships built over years and years and experiences together are just so amazing. And I'm very, very grateful. So thank you for those kind words. And um, yes, friends forever. And I so, so appreciate you taking time out to do this today and sharing with us. It means everything. So thank you for that. I got to come hug that little smart Jack Jack, man. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll have to get together really, really soon for sure. Um, You know, one thing, like I said, I've watched your life change just in in my eyes. I I watch your life change. I watch, you know, I remember coming up to the company and it's like, yo, Sarah's pregnant. Sarah, I have a (laughs) getting married seriously you know and it's funny because the same thing now you know i was talking to emily and she's like yeah i'm getting married and i was like yeah i heard you was getting married so so it's like you know just watching all of this life life bring life you know mm-hmm. i mean you know i've known aaron before he got married and you know had kid had a kid and all of that so yeah, we've essentially all kind of grown up together and grown together and watched each other, you know, watch each other's lives unfold. And uh, I feel so grateful for that. I, I cried at his wedding. So, oh, my goodness. But don't say that because I keep denying it. <laughs> it was him and Jessica's like, man, you was crying. No, I wasn't. Yeah. It was <laughs> falling from the ceiling. I don't know what that was, but. I was not crying. I was I was just standing there being happy. I was not crying. No, um, not at all. No. Like, and yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> the relationship that you and Aaron have, I just love that so much. Just the, you know, the the care for each other and also um the pushing of each other and encouragement and I you told a story once about um going back to Michael Jackson real quick about Aaron calling you and just yeah. saying like he said something like you played with michael jackson and then like hung up the phone on you yeah because <laughs> he was like he was mortified and he was like yo it's documented and none of us are now going to be able to say that we've done that because he's gone right and it's the same thing like just a couple of weeks ago i called him and i was like i have forgot about the grammy thing with james brown and usher yeah, say, yo, man, you play for James Brown. I was like, yo, I met James Brown, but I didn't get to play for him. And I said, <laughs> yo, you play for James Brown, and he was like, yeah, I did. And I was like, all right, and I hung up the phone. So, <laughs> kind of doing the same thing he did to me, but um, I love it. You know, Aaron, Aaron is a, uh, you know, he's one, he's my brother, man, and um, you know, Jamal, like I, I really look out for them, them too, because. I just feel that, I don't know, like, you know, our connection is so deep, man. Our connection is is really deep. And it became that way over time, but very fast, mm-hmm. very fast. You know, I always feel like Jamal, a lot of people don't know how good he is mm-hmm. and how creative he is and things like that. You know, Aaron, I gave to the world. It's like, yo, check this out. You know, but Jamal, <laughs> I always feel like every day I'm fighting for someone to realize how good he is and how of um of a you know a super drummer and, and a super person and you know you know how to help his journey move along. Yes, yes. You know? 
Well, let's talk about talk. Let's talk about his uh, his new um, song that he that yeah. he just put out, which is so good. So anyone listening, check out Jamal Moore, his yeah. new song um, "Paradise." It's called right. Yeah, Paradise, Paradise. is amazing. And just, it's really great. Album before that, the Voyager Voyage. Um, that that album was amazing. And I do want to ask you too. You know, what are your what are your plans? Um, I know a lot of things are up in the air, but I do know right. that you're recording um, some loops, right? And yeah, um, some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, just you know, just trying to, like I said, to stay relevant, to stay. You know, the culture is changing so much. You know, you got to have a certain amount of followers and all of that stuff. And and I love I love the fact that that's happening, but I'm also scared of it. I'm scared to, I'm scared to oversaturate. Mm -hmm. if that's a thing. But you know, with that being said, like I, I am waiting for you know Chris Brown probably to go back on tour maybe next year, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, but I'm open to do to do anything um, to try new things. I really want to, and. I haven't told nobody this yet, but well, I may have told Jamal and Aaron, but I really want to try to get into the countryside of drum playing. Mm -hmm. And there is um, like, there's a sort of pop gospel that I want to kind of stick my feet in and mm -hmm. try to get, get going in those, those areas that I feel that are dormant for a drummer like me. Um, those areas that, you know, I want to play for a country artist. I want to play, I want to learn the country textures. I want to learn what sound is supposed to be for country and, mm -hmm. you know, rhythms and all of that stuff. So I've been kind of, you know, boggling myself down with, uh, with country stuff, listening to it. And I like oh, it. That's learning, great. Learning that and listen to a lot of, there's this, station called k love and k love is like a, it's a gospel station but they play all of this like new age type gospel type music so i'm mm -hmm. trying that side of it and uh yeah those are the things that i'm like i'm trying to i'm trying to accomplish i'm trying to accomplish that um i'm i'm working on you know trying to do different drums and different uh woods and different things to get a different sound to get mm -hmm. that country or that sound of you know that big sound or whatever whatever you want to call it but that's where that's where i'm at with it and and also in the process of doing a docuseries about like i said about me current and valdez um and just showing the world what we did for the industry and I think that that um, that yeah, we can, you know, we, we're going to spend some time on doing that. So that's you know, great. Views and all of that stuff. So I was hoping you would mention that because um, you we talked about it recently, and it sounds really great. I cannot wait to check it out. So. Yeah, so, so we'll look for that absolutely um, from you, and you know please keep on doing exactly what you're doing. And, and I love the fact that you're exploring outside of, you know, your comfort zone, even in, in right. drumming. So, so good.
Well, yes, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm really hyped about it because um, just this has never been because I I um I have a a vision and my vision is you know I tell my nephews all the time like yo you guys need to go out and you know try to do Broadway and try to do like I've I feel that there's a couple of areas that drummers with baseball caps are not <laughs> are not in. They, I don't want to say colored drummers, but I want to say, you know, drummers with baseball caps mm -hmm. are, not, are not in those spaces. And I feel that we have the knowledge and the skill to acquire those spaces. Mm -hmm. So I want to see, you know, one of my nephews playing on Broadway, playing at Cats or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I told them to see, you know, check that lane out see what that lane's about, see how mm -hmm. you get into that particular space. Right. And, and, you know, like I'm trying to do the country thing and I'm trying to do the, you know, I, you know, the gospel music, um, the other side of gospel music. Mm -hmm. um, so like, it's, it's kind of like the, um, they call it Hillsong. So like, like the Hillsong type of mm -hmm. gospel and the worship type of music. So I'm trying to, push my way over that way along with the country you know yeah, right. whatever whatever door opens quicker that's the one I'm going to choose and then I'm going to try to work that so I, I tell my nephews like yo man yeah it's there's spaces that you know us as drummers are not occupying and we need to and y'all need to work on those spaces because you know everybody wants to do exactly what I'm doing you know mm -hmm. Exactly what Aaron's doing or Jamal's mm -hmm. doing. It's like, yo, you all want to play R and B. It's cool. It's a lot of us over here. You know, that's what the that's what the feel is. It's all of us. But right. what about these other spaces? What about all of these other all of these other parts of music that we are not acquiring or we are not in? So mm -hmm. we need to broaden our picture and make sure that we acquire those spaces and and move towards those spaces mm -hmm. be and have the skills to acquire those spaces. Right. I totally yeah. understand that. Yeah. And I, I love that you have, you have a vision for the future and I, I love that. So yeah, keep, keep doing it. And thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for your friendship. I no. so appreciate it. And, um, <laughs> No and I really look forward to have the chance to uh, to see you in person again soon. Tell Jack, Jack, I said hi. I will. I will. Thank you, Gerald. All right. We will chat soon. All right. No problem. Okay. Take care. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.